you are on the line live on Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga and in Auburn and Opelika on ESPN 1067. Listen online at foxsports983.com or espnau.com. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater. Join the show by calling 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater here on your Tuesday afternoon, 2 p.m. on ESPN 1067 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM at Point Gardner. And at Levi Fitzwater is how you can find us on Twitter. Ever miss a show? Find the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. Levi, how are you doing this this day after the national championship, after your bold prediction from yesterday? Well, I got one number right. 52 is right. Just on the (laughs) wrong team and the wrong final score. I'm just messing with you, my man. If I had the clip from yesterday... To play it, I would, but I don't. 52-42 was what you were predicting for Ohio State to beat Alabama, and the final score ended up being 52-24, Alabama defeating Ohio State. Not ragging you here, my man. Good friends, I'm I'm never going to fault somebody for putting a hot take out there, even if it ends up being just a little bit too hot to handle. And so let's talk about that national championship. We want to hear from you. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Alabama winning their 18th total national championship. Some Auburn fans are going to call that into debate or a lot of Auburn fans are going to call that into debate. But what is most important is that Nick Saban capturing his seventh as a head coach most out of any coach ever in collegiate football history and then also his sixth as a member of the Alabama Crimson Tide seven national championships for Nick Saban 621 total yards for the Alabama offense yesterday the debate is on is this Alabama team better than the 2019 LSU team that everybody was quick to dub as the greatest football team to have ever played in the NCAA this Alabama team has entered the discussion if not already won the discussion what was the difference in last night's game wait we're counting this one I thought it was hashtag COVID-19 year I thought we just threw this one out of the window (laughs) asterisk (laughs) unless Auburn won right we're gonna count that then but you know as an Auburn fan you'll you just act like this one didn't happen. Well, let me say this then. I'm counting it. I am proud of what the SEC, ACC, and the Big 12 did this year to ensure that we would have a college football season. If it wasn't for the SEC, ACC, and the Big 12's decision to stay the course, I'll even include the Sun Belt in this. The Fun Belt stayed the course. Conference USA stayed the course. If it wasn't for those conferences... We wouldn't be playing college basketball right now. We wouldn't have a college football champion right now. The outlook of collegiate athletics changed the day that the SEC, ACC, and Big 12 stood their ground from what was a Twitter mob or a social media mob 
against the sport itself. That's what it felt like. When the first domino fell, the MAC was the one to pull the trigger initially on not playing football. The Big Ten and the Pac-12 were quick to make decisions after it to cancel their seasons also. But the SEC, ACC, and Big 12 said, we trust our crews, we we trust our decisions, And, and lo and behold, it's the other conferences who gave ground and came back. And I said this just a moment ago, if it wasn't for those three conferences, plus the Conference USA and the Sun Belt, we wouldn't be playing college basketball right now. And that's because, look at the outlook of the country at the moment. The numbers have gone up in the coronavirus. Do you think if we hadn't played college football that they would have been willing to play college basketball? Absolutely not. No way. The reason why we have a college basketball season right now is because college football went on. And although there were cancellations, although there were postponements, for the most part, it went on without a hitch. And so a big part of what happened last night, Alabama won a national championship. That's huge. But since you bring up the asterisk, let's count it. This season happened. Let's don't view this as some odd year that Alabama didn't deserve to win it. They deserved to win it. Alabama was the best team in college football. They dealt with the same issues as everybody else, and they won a national championship on what felt like a different playing field this year, but it was a different playing field than everybody was on level footing at, and Alabama still was the team to pull it out. Incredibly happy to have had the college football season. You hate to see it go, but you're pumped now for the future that collegiate athletics is where it's at right now because we even decided to play football to begin with, and I think that's something that has gotten kind of not swept under the rug, but something that hasn't been talked about enough or at all. I don't think anybody's mentioned, hey, if it wasn't for these conferences, we wouldn't have last night. we got to go back to where we began. That's accurate. And with all jokes aside, clearly Alabama, one of the most talented teams we have ever seen in college football. You threw, the, you threw it out there, the hot debate, which team's better, LSU 2019, Alabama 2020, both teams Uber talented, pros top to bottom, especially on the offensive side. I think their offensive numbers were about 48.7 to 48.4 comparing the two teams, something around that margin, only separated by decimals, which incredible enough that you're averaging almost 50 points a game in a college football season, especially when you're playing a 10-game season of all SEC schools. And again, a lot of the SEC defenses were down this year and last year as well. But that does not detract from the talent that the LSU team in 2019 as well as this Alabama team in 2020 did offensively. I mean, you have Mac Jones, who a lot of people were writing off as just a facilitator. Plays Ohio State in the national championship game, goes for 450-plus, 464 yards, five touchdowns. Of course, people lauded Devontae Smith as the star for what he did in the first half, but Mac Jones, look at that stat line, very impressive, and he continued to do it after Devontae Smith left the scene. 12 receptions, 215 yards, three touchdowns for Devontae Smith. And most of that was a half of football. That was it was all, it was of all a half, half of football. because he was hurt the rest of the half after that unfortunate collision. I mean, man, this team top to bottom, there's just so many options. I I don't want to get too into the Ohio State, what I thought was questionable defense. There were so many times he was wide open, not just off of his route running ability, but just Scheme-wise. Scheme-wise. I mean, they were throwing it to him out of flares in the backfield, and nobody was around him. I just feel like that's questionable at best when you have the best player in college football, the Heisman winner, who is going to be a top-10 pick in the draft, if not top-5, just depending on where we end up going through combines and team needs and trades and all of that. 
it's questionable at best. Or you're trotting a linebacker out there to cover him 20 yards down the field. It's just not I, – I, that was a questionable scheme call, in my opinion, which, again, I, get, I got off on a little tangent just kind of – that was one thing I saw that was frustrating from Ohio State on the big stage. You know who you're playing against. You know that that guy is uber talented, and you're just letting him run open on a flare-out out of the backfield? I mean, come on. Steve Sarkeesian put on full display last night the full – just the full arsenal, the full gamut of what he was able to do at Alabama, showing what a special match he was. But Sarkeesian also was matched up with great talent, and it made full use of it. I think one of those is that flare touchdown out of the backfield that we saw for Devontae Smith, where it's a simple motion from his position at wideout. It pulls him back towards the backfield, trying to get the defense to shift from left to right, if your orientation is from the offensive point of view. And it pulls him into the backfield making everybody think okay maybe this is a little maybe this is a little pop pass maybe it's a, a jet sweep whatever and then he just spins out and goes back on a, on a flare and, and if you've got bigger bodied players guarding him like Ohio State had so many times last night they had linebackers on him in the slot if you didn't have an athlete out there which I don't think that there was a single athlete on that defense last night that could have kept up with Devontae Smith at all last night whether it's speed or whether it's route running whatever he's doing they couldn't keep up with him and that play kind of fully embodies that's just a creative way Kirk Herbstreit really said it well last night when he was breaking down that specific play on that touchdown it's such a creative way and and almost an art to see how unique some of these plays are drawn up for Devontae Smith to score touchdowns and I think Sarkeesian put on full display last night what makes him truly a special coordinator in the Nick Saban tenure at Alabama today he's going to be announced as Texas's head coach their 31st head coach today at 4 p.m central time and you'll be able to watch that on Longhorn Network if you're able to even get that but that's on that that'll be out there today I'm seeing that on Twitter that he is being introduced so Steve Sarkeesian era over at Alabama Bill O'Brien linked tightly to that Alabama program as well which is interesting to say the least sometimes you see NFL to college jumps not really work that great whereas sometimes you see college to NFL work out more times than not the games are different so I'll be interested to see but there would definitely be talent there for whoever is the next offensive coordinator at Alabama we want to hear from you 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502 is this Alabama team better than the 2019 LSU team we want to hear from you what are your thoughts what were your thoughts on last night's game call in once again 321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502 before we got on the show major news was breaking in the Auburn universe as far as football is concerned two storylines going into our show today that I'm pumped that we're one of the first shows to be able to talk about it on the afternoon drive for folks Gunnar Stockton quarterback of the 2022 class that people want to get their hands on five-star number one dual threat quarterback originally committed to South Carolina I say originally because he decommitted not that long ago today probably within the last hour or two Gunnar Stockton Gunnar Stockton announcing that he is decommitting from South Carolina and it definitely looks like and we were seeing this last night with reports coming out servicing online that he was trending towards Auburn well Mike Bobo's the guy recruiting him he's the guy that recruited him over to South Carolina guess what He's changed colors, and now Gunnar Stockton looks like he may be changing colors as well. We know he's dropped the garnet. Now will he pick up orange and blue? 
what did we say all last week about the hire of Mike Bobo and how important it was? Not from the X's and O's perspective, but how important it was from a recruiting standpoint. But we even alluded to the fact that this could happen, that this very yes. event could occur. And of course, he hasn't committed to Auburn yet, but... It's getting it's hot when there's it's looking where there's, good where there's smoke there's fire sometimes and it seems like this seems that he's coming to Auburn again nothing is confirmed this is all speculation he is just trending towards coming to the Auburn Tigers again that's great that is absolute I mean you're putting your first season in you're not even in your full recruiting cycle you just come in and are gonna pull Gunner Stockton away from South Carolina that is impressive and that even is, if he were to commit to Auburn. You know, that makes you wonder even more so about Bo Nix's timetable, not trying to rush the guy out. But if he has a really good year this next year, does he decide to make the jump to the NFL because he'll have the ability to do so? Or do we possibly, which I think this is the better alternative, Bo Nix two more years heads to the NFL draft slash graduation, and then Gunnar Stockton comes in as a sophomore if he does once again commit to Auburn. But things definitely look great on the recruiting trail for Stockton at quarterback. We'll continue that discussion later. The other news tidbit that literally broke a couple of minutes before we went on the air, Auburn linebacker Chandler Wooten, he opted out for the 2020 season. He's back for 2021. And although going into the 2020 season, I felt like he was the fourth linebacker on the depth chart for Auburn, this is big for a depth concerns for Auburn at linebacker where if they do switch schemes from the 4-3 to the 3-4 which I've made this very clear on this show Auburn only had two linebackers play this year Owen Popo and Zacoby McLean were the only two they didn't go into the depths of the bench to pull out linebackers on the field they really didn't get out of the nickel never did we really see three linebackers like we used to in the day when Deshaun Davis was here and and then there was Trey Williams and all those guys that group you would see three linebackers on the field at times this group you haven't I was beginning to wonder about depth at linebacker if there was a scheme change on that side of the ball but Wooten going to come out and help out Owen Popo and Jacoby McClain and then they've also recruited the position very well just not a whole lot of experience this certainly helps to have a senior linebacker on the roster it's incredible. I mean, for the depth perspective, like you said, even if he was the fourth best linebacker going into last season, if you're running three or four linebackers, you're going to get on the field. It's really good to have that. I mean, you you said it. The depth for having this guy on the team is going to be huge for Auburn with his experience. That was a quick first segment. We had a lot, a lot to talk about. A lot to talk about. That's right. And we want to hear from you. 321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Back in a moment. Phone lines are open. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater. We'll be right back. A lot to unpack on the Tuesday edition of On the Line. Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater with you. News all over the place. In terms of the Auburn football universe, Gunnar Stockton decommitting from South Carolina. Looks like he's trending towards Auburn. Chandler Wooten announcing his return for the 2021 football season. The senior linebacker coming back to the Plains for one last ride after opting out of the 2020 season. Keep up with all of the content the show is putting out on RadioAlabamaSports.net and on the Radio Alabama Sports Facebook page. Follow it on Twitter as well at at RadioALSports. It's the place to be for Auburn and Alabama content as well as high school sports content. 
Once again, that's RadioAlabamaSports.net. Even more so, SEC content also. So like I said, it's the place to be for all of that good stuff and keeping up with On the Line. We want to hear from you. Call into the show at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Phone lines are open. Let's go back to the national championship discussion that we opened the show up with. Alabama 52-24 to victors over Ohio State in the college football playoff national championship last night. Crimson Tide walked all over the Ohio State Buckeyes starting at about midway through that second quarter. They were up 35-17 to at halftime, and then the separation continued well into the second half as well. This is urged on the great debate. Let's jump into it then. 2019 LSU or 2020 Alabama. People were really quick. And I was someone who was a little bit more adverse to this discussion last year about LSU. I was bothered by it that people were so willing just right off the bat to say that LSU last year was the greatest team to have ever played football, at least at the collegiate level. And I was like, look, we're, we're comparing apples and oranges here. This was what I was thinking last year with LSU. We're, we are comparing apples and oranges here. Who's to say that 2004 USC was at every bit as good as 2019 LSU? And my reasoning for that is the offenses were different. The game was different. Scoring is at a premium now. Defenses are handcuffed a little bit more now. It makes teams like 2019 LSU and 2020 Alabama. Offenses have evolved too. It makes those teams in this decade and this age of college football have gaudy offensive numbers that just weren't being put up back in the day but that doesn't mean that those teams were any less talented and that those teams couldn't do what Alabama and LSU were doing today I mean there were some 1980s 1990s Miami teams some Nebraska teams that would have something to say about this it's hard to compare decades but we'll go modern era of football since 2000 let's say jump into this debate 2019 LSU or 2020 Alabama for best team to have played college football it's a tough one it's hard that's why we have these debates we we circle these two teams because again they're the most two recent very similar in terms of stats again I hit on it last segment both are averaging a little over 48 points per game almost hitting 50 points a game again incredible offense defenses were a little suspect at times when you're scoring almost 50 points really doesn't matter doesn't matter when you have a generational talent at quarterback like Joe Burrow. Doesn't matter when you have generational talent at wide receiver like Devontae Smith. You can score wherever, whenever. It, I think it just comes down to personal preference, if I'm being honest. These teams are so almost even. The one thing I will give in terms of just a big advantage to Alabama is head coach. Uh, coach, o, coach O is not a bad coach by any means, but he's not Nick Saban. So if you're going to give me the option of which team's better, if you're putting them on the field head-to-head, I'm going to take the one that has Nick Saban coaching them. I started today on the side of 2019 LSU, and I've had so much information thrown in my face all day long. I am now on the side of 2020 Alabama, and I'm allowed to change my opinion as the day goes on. And of course. Now that I'm on the air and giving my official prediction here on this, and and after looking at so much, so so much facts and data, and your point there about Nick Saban, that's very true. I'm taking Nick Saban in a game against Orgeron where the talent is comparable, where one team isn't missing their starting quarterback or isn't hampered by it like last year. I mean, Tua last year in that ball game was 
And this Alabama team was pretty much the same Alabama team as last year, minus Jerry Judy and Henry Ruggs. So this Alabama team, you could even say, was even less talented at wide receiver this year. But, of course, chemistry is a big part of it. Mac Jones has developed a lot as a quarterback. Statistically, you look at it, this Alabama team has been more impressive than the 2019 Alabama team. It's been more efficient. I think they've done better in all facets. Najee Harris, better running back than he was last year. The offensive line's a lot better than it was last year. Defense is probably much improved from last year as well. So I think you look at it, this 2020 Alabama team, a year of development did them good, which is why they won the national championship this year and boat raced everybody they played except for Florida. So the point about Nick Saban against Ed Orgeron is very true. I think you would take the seven national championship head coach too. I would. And then Mac Jones had every bit as good of a season this year as Joe Burrow did last year. And he did it without the cupcake games. He had to play a full SEC schedule, and he did it in two less games on a 13-game schedule. I think the talented wide receiver at Alabama from top to bottom probably better than what LSU had last year. Now, granted, Jamar Chase, special. Terrace Ferguson, also pretty good. And for some reason, I'm, I'm forgetting Justin Jefferson as well, also very good. But I don't think that they beat – I don't think any of those receivers are better than what Devontae Smith did this year, which is a big reason why a wide receiver won the Heisman for the first time in 30 years so I think Devontae Smith's got to beat there Jalen Waddle's the most versatile wide receiver I've seen play in college football in a long time just his ability to also play on special teams among other things that he could do on offense imagine what Alabama would have done this year if Jalen Waddle had stayed healthy the whole time Devontae Smith probably doesn't win the Heisman I think Mac Jones probably wins the Heisman if Devontae Smith is coupled up with Jalen Waddle because they'll be sharing catches they'll be sharing yardage I think the stats for Devontae Smith are partially what jump off the page for him. Najee Harris, a better running back, I think, than Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. He was great last year, Hilaire was, but Najee Harris, he had a Heisman moment at the end of this season in the Notre Dame game. And I said this last week, I started the Najee Harris-Heisman campaign just a little bit too late. He had 27 touchdowns from scrimmage this year. What does a running back have to do to get some respect? I would have put him in the Heisman over Kyle Trask, especially with the way that Kyle Trask ended the season. Kyle Trask shrank as the year went on, whereas Najee Harris boomed as the year went on. So I would say Najee Harris deserved to be in the Heisman conversation more than even Kyle Trask. And then Trevor Lawrence getting destroyed like he did in the playoff. I mean, Trevor Lawrence definitely deserved to be in the Heisman discussion. Najee Harris, though, every every bit as much Though, if a running back was going to be included, Najee Harris, the best running back in college football this year. I don't think that you say that Clyde Edwards-Elair was the best running back in college football last year, though. I don't think that anybody would say that, even though he was drafted in the first round. That's not that's not where I stood leaving college football last year. I did not think that Elair was the best running back in football last season. So I, I, I think I would agree with you. Now that we've broken this down heavily, I would say that this 2020 Alabama team is better than that 2019 LSU team. But man, I would love to see these teams play. Or better yet, give me a video game with all-time teams on it and let me play with these guys on a console. If only. Well, old NCAA football games back like 06, NCAA football 06, I know, had it. You you could play as Bo Jackson. They had like 85 Auburn, I think, on there, maybe before then. They had Auburn teams from years past. They had old teams from all the way back into the 80s and 70s that you could play as. 
that changed over time of course I mean you also back then used to be able to play as FCS teams also that changed they it eventually turned into FCS Southeast FCS West on those video games you know but I would love to see in the next video game whenever it does come out because I believe it will make its return I believe that NCAA football will come back because I think we're seeing things change in terms of the way people view athletes being able to receive compensation and I also think legislation has obviously moved the discussion forward EA is ready to go I feel like so in the next game I'd like to be able to play 2019 LSU versus 2020 Alabama that would be nice to do um so just looking at it obviously Joe Burrow was the first pick in the draft do you have a prediction for where you think Matt Jones goes in the draft do you think a team's gonna take him first round maybe in the middle of the round anything like that or do you think he falls around two it depends there aren't as many teams I feel like there are a lot of quarterbacks quarterback demand is lower than quarterback supply for this draft I feel like looking at NFL teams there's a lot of good quarterbacks coming out this year there are and and it's not to say that supply or not supply it's not to say that demand in the NFL is any lower than it normally is but there's so much supply looking at Mac Jones as a quarterback and evaluating him it's hard for I think NFL teams to separate him from the receivers that he's that he's been with he's had a lot of wide open receivers to throw to not taking away from Mac Jones I think Mac Jones also threw his receivers open at times and I think what Mac Jones really showed on tape this year better than many of the quarterbacks in college football was his ability to read defenses in the span of a play and to go through his progressions from right to left left to right high to low whatever it may be he did a great job of reading coverages in the span of a play mobility is going to be a question about him at the next level but then again there are plenty of statues in the league he throws a great deep ball I think he's in the first round right now I think somebody will take him if somebody drafted Lamar Jackson out of college with all the question marks around him in the first round I think Mac Jones will get drafted in the first round and look that was not a slide at Lamar Lamar's panned out I'm just saying we all know the question marks that were around Lamar Jackson and leaving college football right now I think Mac Jones is every bit on the same plane as Lamar Jackson is right now as a passer, at least in terms of being able to go through progressions in the span of a play. And that's going to benefit him. If he can go to the right team, Matt Jones could end up being a, a great quarterback in the NFL. I'm looking at you, New England Patriots. He looks like a New England Patriots quarterback, the heir apparent late to Tom Brady. I just see him around that 20 range right now. Just something around close to New England, close to Chicago, close to Washington football team, teams like that. I think you're you're probably right, and those teams need a quarterback, and you need more of On the Line. Coming up on the other side of this break, we talk to Jeremy Law of Radio Alabama Sports. Stay on the line. More of the show when we come back. You're on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater on ESPN 106.7 and Fox Sports Central Alabama 98.3 FM. Tease this going into the segment. And now it's time for the man, the myth, the legend, Jeremy Law of Radio Alabama Sports joining us on the show. Jeremy, congratulations on the Alabama Crimson Tide winning the national championship last night. I know you as a UA grad are probably pumped up and uh, we're, we're, we're having a good time going into work this morning. 
Yeah, it's been a good day so far. I hope you guys are doing well on the planes. I know uh, when I've watched Auburn win a national title and play for one, it wasn't fun watching that happen. But I'm going to I'm going to pull my best Reese Davis and try to be as uh, unbiased as possible during this interview. But I thought <laughs> uh, last night magical. Um, I think it proved. I mean, Nick Saban's already the goat, but now he's gotten in front of Bear Bryant for numbers of national titles. I don't think what you're seeing right now um, from a one coach from a one coach standpoint like Nick Saban has done other teams over history may be able to catch up with him for what Saban's done in 14 years in Tuscaloosa has just been incredible Jeremy you already bring up Nick Saban so let's just go ahead and go there obviously nobody's going to argue with the fact that he is the best coach to have ever coached in college football because of the volume of national championships that he has how will people talk about you know 20 years from now 30 years from now the same way that folks talk about Bear Bryant right now to people our age people that were there to see Bear Bryant, how will people talk about Nick Saban 20 to 30 years from now? Oh, I, I think that there will be even more of a legend of legend behind Nick Saban than there was of the Bear Bryant. Listen, there's only one Bear Bryant, and he was, what he was able to do over his career you know, was only been beaten by Nick Saban. But for one, Nick Saban, from a coaching standpoint, things are harder. You know, There used to not be as many rules. You could have 200 kids on the roster if you want to. You, you didn't have a limit on the number of guys you could sign in a recruiting class. I know. Now with the, the availability, you know, back in the day, on a Saturday, there may be two games on, and so a lot of times that was Alabama, Notre Dame, USC, Nebraska, um, Oklahoma, and Texas. Well, now, you know, everybody has that national exposure. SEC has its own network, so does the Big 12. I mean, these, all these conferences have their, own, have their own exposure, and every team kind of gets the same amount of coverage if you're good enough. And what Saban's been able to do in this era of modern-day college football, I think, no, you always like to start the count as with the Pat Dye got hired at Auburn kind of now at <laughs> that modern era. And it, what Nick Saban's been able to do against stiff, tough competition, you got to realize he's also lost two now. Just imagine how close he is to having nine. I mean, yeah. that, that that's how close Nick Saban's sitting there right now. And how close he lost one of those national championships to Clemson. Exactly. On a, on a pick play. I never thought I'd see the day <laughs> where someone that graduated from Alabama would be telling me why it was easy for Bear Bryant to win all of his national championships. But I guess when you're comparing him to a guy like Nick Saban, it, it is very um, it, it's worth it to bring it up in conversation. You're somebody earlier today, I, I went into today thinking 2019 LSU, you're one of the people out there in the community who brought me onto the side of 2020 Alabama in this great debate. So sell everybody out there who may still be on the 2019 LSU side, sell everybody on why 2020 Alabama is the greatest team to have ever played in college football. No, listen, obviously a tad biased here, and, you're, and you really are splitting hairs, but if you look up and down – just stats, statistically, who Alabama had to play this year. There were no cupcakes there. There were no Louisiana Monroe's or Northern Illinois or anybody like that on the schedule. This was a 10-game regular season SEC schedule. This was an SEC championship game. This was a college football playoff game. This was a national championship game. And Alabama, outside of one game, beat everybody. Beat everybody by 15 or more points and then you're looking at the the sec championship game and although florida kind of kept it close at the end i think maybe 95 percent of people watching that game never really felt like alabama would lose and that was florida hitting on all cylinders and they go into a national title game with a team that 
it's not like when Clemson beat Ohio State last year and they squeaked it out with an interception in the end zone. This is a this is an Ohio State team that dominated one of the best rosters in college football. What Clemson gets to put on the field and maybe the the base of the NFL. Trevor Lawrence, Patrick Mahomes for the next fifteen years coming up in the and after next year's draft and what they were able to do to Clemson and then they roll into the national title game against Alabama and Alabama doesn't let up. They, they have their foot on their throat early. Ohio state scored a couple touchdowns. I know they got one in the third on three plays, but it was all Alabama. And from a statistical standpoint for what Alabama had to go through from sheer numbers, award winners, uh, all that's kind of close, but uh, Alabama to me, what they were able to do, just, just just looking at the numbers, points per game, yards per game, all that involved, they're, they're a better team than what LSU put on the field last year. Marginally, not, not, this gap is not wide, so I don't want to start a nationwide argument here, but marginally, Alabama is better. So it's clear where you stand on this Alabama team being one of the greatest teams of all time, if not the best team of all time. So what do you think would be the second best Alabama national championship team under Nick Saban and is it even remotely close to this Alabama team no and I follow a lot of good question by the way Liva there's I follow a lot of guys that have matrices and and all these formulas that they put in and this is like the number one uh, from CFB matrix the number one team of all time and it's like seven points higher than what LSU was last year and the next Alabama team down the line was actually um, 2015 Alabama, and it's like the sixth best team all time. So Alabama, from an all-time team perspective, I guess for the last 20 years from where the stat was, not always had like the best team of all time. To me, I think the 2011 team gets slept on a lot because a lot of people judge that loss at home against LSU uh, that they were able to redeem in the national title game. But that was a team that averaged in a in a in a day where you didn't score a lot of points. They averaged 35 points per game. Thoroughly dominated almost everybody they played outside of LSU that year defensively. Maybe one of the best defensive teams of all time from an NFL player standpoint, from a college football number standpoint. Um, but this this Alabama team is, he, I mean, head and shoulders above any other team that Alabama's probably put on the field in modern day college football. Let's switch gears here to basketball and and little shooty hoops tonight. Alabama's got a big game against Kentucky tonight for first place in the SEC. Where do you stand going into this one? I want a prediction. Well, you know, Kentucky's starting to figure things out, and that's always dangerous calls. You know, Calipari, I think he's disappointed a little bit. While at Kentucky's had the best players in the nation, Duke, North Carolina, Arizona, Kansas, Kentucky, all right there with the best players in the country year in and year out. He's only won one title. But they're starting to figure things out, and – I know Rupp Arena is not going to be packed, but this is an Alabama team who, I guess, in my lifetime, historically doesn't play great on the road. They don't really play well at Kentucky, but it's not going to be a packed-out environment. And I think when you look at how they played against Auburn and how Alabama was able to get that win, they did not shoot the three ball very well outside of Josh Primo. I think they sat around 30%. Nate Oates wants to hit about four and a half out of every 10 he wants to shoot 40 to 45 percent from deep which they're capable of they got every shot blocked at the rim jt thor was an animal they had to deal with sharif cooper and having no tape on him and they were able to win a game on the road in auburn arena and that is a very tough place to play can Alabama keep it going four no in sec play i i told you Noah, that i thought these guys would be one and four two and three at the absolute best through the first five games well now they're four and oh 
in conference play, can they beat Kentucky on the road? This is going to be, I think, a high-scoring contest. Alabama likes to get up and down the floor. And if Alabama hits their threes, they will win this game. Um, but they have just not been a great, great three-point shooting team outside of a couple of games this year. So tough to win at Rupp um, against really good talent. I think Kentucky squeaks one out against Alabama and hands Alabama their first conference loss of the year. Jeremy, I appreciate you joining us on the show today. Tell everybody where they can find you on Twitter. I know you're you're a fun personality in the Uh-oh. Alabama universe. <laughs> well, you know, if you're an Alabama fan, follow me at IMJ underscore law on Twitter. Noah and I go back and forth. Yeah, I am the Noah version of Alabama. So uh, <laughs> I'd appreciate your follow. We post a lot of fun content, and uh, we have a lot of fun. Jeremy, appreciate it, my man. Hope you have a good afternoon. Thanks, guys. That was Jeremy Law of Radio Alabama Sports. And before we go to break, I want I want to make a quick point about the national championship game, and I love that he brought up about how Alabama went out there and absolutely dominated a team that dominated Clemson, who is one of the most talented rosters in all of football. I talked about this last week. You can go and find the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio. It's there. I said that there would be a letdown of energy from Ohio State going into this national championship. It was evident to me. And granted, they stuck around a little bit longer than I actually thought they would. I, I thought that Alabama would punch them out by the end of the first quarter. They survived a, half a quarter longer than I thought they would. Ohio State looked like by midway through the second quarter that they had lost this game before it started. Some of the faces that some of these guys had in the second half when this game's out of reach, and just after they've had to go toe-to-toe with this Alabama defense, Christian Barmore was living in the backfield all day long. After they had to go four quarters with this team, they looked dumbfounded, like they had never seen anything like it. I mean, you look at some of the, the looks, some of the facial expressions Justin Fields had on the bench, and then some of the receivers as well. Offensive linemen were getting pushed around all night long. It, it looked like they had no idea what to expect. And you mentioned that all year long, you know, and, and talking about the, the score that they had in their locker room, this whole year for Ohio State, it was about Clemson. The whole season, it was about Clemson. Never at any point until this week did it become about Alabama. And that just so happened to be the team that they were playing in the national championship. Maybe instead of it being about Clemson this year, it should have been about a national championship. And I'm never a fan of teams, of course, vengeance, trying to overturn a loss from last year, that's great. But they were living in last year, not 2021. They were living in early of 2020 last year when they lost to Clemson in the college football playoff semifinal. And I think that's a big result of what occurred last night against Alabama. I think Alabama was living in the past last year, or living in last year too, except they used it as the whole season instead of just one team right 52 24 alabama wins the national championship thanks to jeremy law of radio alabama sports for joining us last segment of the first hour coming up on the line on fox sports central alabama on 98.3 fm and espn 1067 Last segment of the first hour on On the Line, Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater with you on ESPN 106.7 at Fox Sports Central Alabama. Follow ESPN 106.7 on Facebook and Twitter to keep up with the latest going on at the station. 
on the line, the drive with Bill Cameron, which follows us from 4 to 6 p.m. I mean, you've got four hours of local sports talk radio on ESPN 106.7. In addition to that, analysis, news, and more. That's all on ESPN 106.7. Find the website on ESPNAU.com. Let's take you through what's on TV tonight. Hey everybody, it's Noah Gardner with What's On Tonight. ABC is running Captain America, the Winter Soldier. Cap battles an old friend from long ago. Lethal Weapon 1 and 2 were on yesterday, so let's keep it going with number 3, which will come on AMC at 7. Also at 7, but on TNT, Ready Player 1 is on. Back to regularly scheduled college basketball now that college football is over with, and it's a big night on the schedule. At the 6 p.m. time slot, number 9, Wisconsin, and number 7, Michigan on ESPN. Number 10, Tennessee at Vanderbilt on ESPN2, number 19 Duke at number 20 Virginia Tech on ACC Network, and Ole Miss at Florida on SEC Network. At 8 p.m., Syracuse at North Carolina on ACC Network, Providence at Marquette on FS1, and no one is giving Alabama fans time to breathe as the Crimson Tide look to take sole possession of first place in the SEC with a road game against Kentucky on ESPN. I'm Noah Gardner, and that's what's on TV tonight. That Alabama-Kentucky game is going to be a fun basketball game when they square off tonight, and and we'll get into that in just a few minutes. But Sharif Cooper is where I want to start this segment at, and then we'll transition over to Alabama basketball before we head out for the for the end of the first hour. I've had multiple people ask me this. I went on Locked On Auburn podcast. I've I've, I've talked to countless individuals that I, that I just know in person that have asked me this question. And I've been asked, will Sharif Cooper go to the NBA after this season? And touched on a little bit yesterday. This is a big deal. It it seems like Auburn fans get something nice. They get something awesome. Like, especially in basketball. We've seen this in basketball. And you you instantly get worried that it's going to be taken away from you. You're instantly worried that that it's going to leave. And a big part of that is... Well, obviously, he missed time. Sharif Cooper wasn't on the court for Auburn right off the bat this year, so you already got something nice in a recruiting class, and then all of a sudden, you, you lose it. You don't get to experience it. You've had other guys suspended. Austin Wiley, Daniel Purifoy had some issues. So you get something awesome and great. I mean, even when Cam Newton came onto campus, NCAA investigation, right? So it seems like something awesome happens for Auburn, and then bam, NCAA investigation and so Auburn fans obviously instinctively I think think oh no we got something great how long is it going to last because some of these things are are more lightning in a bottle than others of course basketball I think has established more consistency than football my answer to Will Sharif Cooper go to the NBA after this season is no I do not think Sharif Cooper will be playing in the National Basketball Association after this year because of a couple of reasons I think that Sharif Cooper is undersized for the position. And I don't think after one game, at least, we haven't seen enough on tape to know that he makes up for his for his lack of size, or a better way to word that. He's just undersized. I mean, a point guard in the NBA right now that's on the smaller end of the spectrum, or at least average, is six foot three. Russell Westbrook's a great example of that, but what he makes up for it in is his outrageous athleticism and his ability to jump out of the rim or jump out of the gym and then climb up to the rim with inc- with incredible verticality and and also his first step is is blazing quick. Russell Westbrook's not somebody that can just keep in front of you. 
John Wall, another guy who's like that. Trey Young makes up for it, and Isaiah Thomas made up for it with incredible shooting ability and range. And I think those are two qualities, talking about what Westbrook does in the NBA and then also what Trey Young does in the NBA. I don't think we've seen that yet out of Cooper. Not to, not, not to say that Cooper won't develop a three-point shot. It was just his first game. He could be a great three-point shooter as he gets more comfortable. Could turn into Jared Harper, you know. But right out the gates on film, I don't know if we've seen enough for me to say, yeah, when the athleticism rises in the NBA to meet Sharif Cooper's skill set because right now Sharif Cooper is going to be one of the best college basketball players on the floor no matter who Auburn plays athletically he's on par with every other college basketball player that's on the floor right it's like it's like when you're a highly touted recruit in high school basketball you're going to be able to do things in high school that you're not going to be able to do in college and then so on and so forth you're going to be able to do things in college that you're not going to be able to do in the NBA and the reason for that is because the athleticism meets you Same thing can be said about the NFL versus college football. Athleticism rises with each class, speed, strength, all of that, and it makes guys look average. It's like Superman. Superman was Superman on Earth because he wasn't on Krypton because of the atmospheric conditions on Earth made Superman super. On Krypton, average person, right? And so it's the same way when you're making the jump, and I don't think Sharif Cooper has showed me Superman yet in college basketball. Eventually, I I think he'll get there. I think he's going to be, by the time his career is over at Auburn, Shreve Cooper will be regarded as the best guard to have ever gone through Auburn's program. But at the moment, and this year, with so little time left in the season, and considering I doubt he's on many teams' draft boards, I don't think he's going to take off after half a year at Auburn. It really depends on how the rest of the season goes for Sharif Cooper. If he comes out and absolutely dominates, if he plays every game like he played against Alabama, he's going to get NBA draft attention. And then it really just comes to, is there a team willing to take that risk on him? How did he develop over the rest of this year? If he can really improve what is an adequate mid-range to extended wing three-point jump shot, because right now that's about what it is. Adequate, average, it gets by. If he really adds that to his game and demonstrates that over the rest of the season, then I don't see a reason why he wouldn't be a first-round pick. Some, I think USA Sports Today has him around 25th in their mock draft going to the Denver Nuggets. Uh, How recent was that dra- mock draft, though? Because I know a lot of places ha- don't put them out until we get into 2021. They exactly. kind of let the first several months. So if you can get that, I'm curious about that because I, I went and searched around to see how recent some were, and some were only as recent as the first day of the college basketball season. ESPN, I don't think, has recently put one up either. My thing also about Sharif Cooper is this. around mid-December. Okay. So that's relatively, so he hadn't even played yet. So going off of his high school prowess and what they recruited him as, again, it, it depends on what we see from him for the rest of the season. If he comes out and develops over this second half of a season, which that's a lot to ask for out of a prospect. Who's to say he's not a lottery player next year, though, if he sticks around? I I agree with that, but sometimes it's just the NBA. It's the money. It'll draw you to that So let me add to that then. I'm glad you went in that direction. We all heard the rumors about this thing, right? It's like he wanted to play at Auburn because he stuck around the program. Through all this, thick and thin, he stuck around and he wanted to play at Auburn. If he didn't care as much about playing at Auburn as he did – I think he probably would have took an opportunity elsewhere or would have said, ah, I'm just going to worry about the, the, the NBA draft. But instead, he fought through it and stuck at Auburn. 
So that's another reason why I think he'll come back next year. That does it for hour number one of On the Line. We'll have hour number two coming up. Drive an hour away as well. A lot coming up. Sports Talk Radio, live, local. Three hours still left here on 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. On the line, live on Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga and in Auburn and Opelika on ESPN 106.7. Listen online at foxsports983.com or espnau.com. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater. Join the show by calling 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. The train keeps rolling on On the Line. You're with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater on Fox Sports Central Alabama 98.3 FM and ESPN. 1067. You miss a show, uh, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. Well, starting to say this, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You can find Levi and I on Twitter at Point Gardner and at Levi Fitzwater. No spaces, no underscores. That's straight up. We got those handles early on. That's what I'm talking about. Let's open up the show here kind of the same way we opened it up today, minus the national championship part. Some big Auburn news that we haven't gotten to touch on enough that I want to break into now and really get into the weeds with. Gunnar Stockton, five-star quarterback, number one dual threat guy in the 2022 class, originally committed to South Carolina. And I say originally because in the last two hours, Gunnar Stockton has decommitted from South Carolina in lieu of some reports also that have got him linked to the Auburn Tigers. Huge, huge pickup for Mike Bobo and the Auburn Tigers if this materializes to be true. I mean, he's he's a five-star recruit for a reason. He's a good quarterback. He has a lot of comparisons when you look down to it into his player comps. He's a bit of a stocky, more of a Sam Howell type out of North Carolina. He's got a little bit of active feet. He's traditionally played a lot of spread, can do the RPOs, which is, you know, the big innovation in terms of offensive scheme right now. You saw Alabama run probably one of the best RPO systems last night in the national championship. It was on full display. So a guy who can do that, active feet, can make some pretty good throws on the run. If you go look at some of his high school tape, he can make some good throws. He can escape. Again, I like the active feet. The active feet shows that he is always looking good field vision. Again, he... He looks like a good prospect. Again, he might. He's raw. He needs to be developed a little bit more. But I mean, when you're looking at, it, you're bringing a guy in. You're never going to complain about a five-star quarterback coming into your university. No, and this quarterback even more highly rated than Bo Nix. And I think when you look at what he's done and and how he's regarded, possibly a, a quarterback that could have a higher ceiling right out of the gates than maybe even Bo Nix and. We talk about what this means possibly now for Bo Nix's timetable, and I hate to talk about this guy like we know for a fact he's coming to Auburn because we don't know. This is pure speculation, but when you look at it, he decommits from South Carolina today. The guy who recruited him at South Carolina is now on Auburn's staff, and now Auburn's recruiting him with Mike Bobo to try and bring him to Auburn. And you've already mentioned this. He fits into the scheme really well for what 
Mike Bobo is going to want to bring here because, of course, he recruited him at South Carolina to that scheme over there. And then we also have already touched on many times, even last week when he was originally hired, Mike Bobo is a culture fit at Auburn. So this seems like a great fit, a great link. He's from Tiger, Georgia. That's his hometown, class of 2022 quarterback. According to 24-7 sports composite rankings, he's got a uh, .9867 rating, five-star QB, number 27 national player, number one dual threat, and number three player out of the state of Georgia. So the rankings are there, and, and rankings don't always mean that a guy's going to pan out, but they are a pretty good indicator of, is this guy ready for college football right now? And I, I, I think, you know, it'll be it'll, it'll be a, that, that's a good indicator of him being able to come in and make an impact right away but I don't think that there will be a position right away for him to come and make an impact I think when you look at Bo Nix's trajectory from here out I think he probably does have two more seasons for multiple reasons I think from a development standpoint I don't know if this first year in a new scheme a new system is going to be I, I don't know if he's going to make leaps and bounds of improvement just from having to learn a new system this year it, it's good he's having to learn something completely new his third year third offensive coordinator you said that yesterday or, or friday three years three ocs that's baker mayfield in the nfl and we saw how long it took for his light bulb to turn on it did finally turn on so never disregard talent never and you said ever. that last you said that last week right and and I, bo nicks will develop I just don't know what that trajectory looks like, and it could take well into a senior year. But the second point I want to make about why I think Bo Nix stays through his senior year, he's one of those guys that loves Auburn. He's a legacy, and I think you could tell he loves Auburn. He doesn't quit. This is his school. He's not one of the guys that transferred out of the program. He's sticking around. So Bo Nix, I think you see him stay four full years here at Auburn. Then going into Stockton's second year, if he does indeed con- commit to Auburn, if that happens, I think Stockton uh, comes in as a sophomore, and, and then you'd be looking at him's playing. I think this recruitment here d- is not a good thing for Demetrius Davis. It's a really bad thing for Demetrius Davis. I think, honestly, Gunnar Stockton, it would be better for him as a developmental talent. Again, he might not want this, but if he comes to Auburn, I think it's better if Bo Nick stays around. He can use that yeah. redshirt freshman season and redshirt, learn under by Bobo, watch Bo Nix, who would be a senior by that time, and really develop his talent. I think that's what he needs best for him. Like I think that's what will be best for him. Again, some players just want to come in and play immediately, and it's a little different sometimes. Sometimes you got players who are willing to sit back, willing to learn and not play, but you got guys who do want to go out there and play. I mean, you commit to play football. You want to play, but I think it would be best for Gunnar Stockton to be able to sit behind a then veteran Bo Nix under a my Bobo system and just get to watch and absorb but again yeah Demetrius Davis not looking good for him even since we've been on the show Auburn has increased 6.2 percentage points it was at 40 percent they were kind of thinking with the expert averages now up to 46.2 percent so well, now we are, I need to refresh my page I'm sitting here looking at one that's over an hour old I say it's even now it's just it, it just keeps increasing by yeah the minute by the second by the hour it's I mean this happened what 20 minutes before we got on the air and we were yeah we still I was still driving it took me sitting down in the studio to see this news it's been it's been on fire today to see this and it's for Auburn fans again all speculation, nothing has been set in stone about Gunnar Stockton coming to Auburn. But it's, he has decommitted. He's decommitted. That is that is for sure. He 
from the source himself, from himself, he decommitted. You don't have to worry about that. It's one thing I love about Twitter. I love, I love it when <laughs> you know. You I know. love it when the player tweets it out, tweets something out themselves, yep. and you always see that comment that says "sources." It's like, I, I said it. Yep. I'm the source, so you know that you know he has decommitted, and then that trail is getting hot. It's getting hot for him coming to Auburn, and we Auburn fans are going to love to see that. Something else that broke like right before the show, minutes before the show went on the air. Chandler Wooten. Auburn linebacker that opted out for the 2020 season. He will be returning for the 2021 season, his senior year, his senior campaign. I think going into the 2020 year before he opted out, I said that it wasn't going to be a big deal when he opted out because he was the fourth guy on the depth chart at linebacker, and Auburn doesn't really use that many linebackers in rotation. And guess what? Auburn didn't this past year. They used two linebackers. They used Jacoby McClain and Owen Papo. But I think this is big for an Auburn defense. It's another addition. This feels like a, a grad transfer coming into Auburn. It felt like a grad transfer yesterday when Roger McCreary announced he was coming back. After all of the guys that have departed from the program, this felt like a big addition for a defense that's going through a scheme change probably. I think you're going to see more linebackers used regardless of whether or not they fully go into the 3-4 this year. Even if they still stay somewhat in a 4-3, more linebackers are going to be used Derek Mason employs many. He had four in Vanderbilt. He had the 3-4 scheme installed at Vanderbilt. All four of his linebackers were 240 pounds at least. Wooten, although he and the other linebackers are a little bit smaller than that, he fits into this defense from a depth perspective and experience. He's going to probably take some time to reacclimate to football considering he's been out of it for a year. But coming back, this is a big depth piece for Auburn. If he can fit back in nicely considering – the 3-4 scheme employs two more linebackers than what we're accustomed to seeing hit the field for Auburn. Typically, Auburn's been in the nickel this year, and we've only seen two linebackers. So this is big depth-wise for the Tigers in a position that they haven't really gone too deep with this past year. It doesn't matter if you're perceived as the fourth-best linebacker on the depth chart when you start running four linebackers. It means a little bit more when you're running two two linebackers most of the time in that nickel setup. So again... A huge depth piece, a guy who Auburn fans have traditionally liked, so you're going to be excited to see him come back. And it's a guy who's just, it it feels like that grad transfer. I know you said that, but it just feels like a guy that you're coming in who has that veteran experience, has a lot of SEC experience, and just on the field experience in general. I mean, you have a guy who can come in, and really, I, I think he could honestly make a big leap this year with Derek Mason because he's always gotten the most out of his linebackers. So we might see a, a Chandler Wooten that we're not super familiar with. We might see a guy who's even better. Again, he's going to have to adjust. You said it. Took a year off. It's going to be big on the condition this summer. The offseason is going to be huge for Wooten. Spring. Spring. I mean, Welcome back, young bloods. You come, know, Come back in. He's got to put in the effort to really get back into football shape. That will be hard. But, man, I think Derek Mason could get a lot out of this guy because he does have pure talent, and you've seen it. Derek Mason got the most out of his guys at Vanderbilt who were not as talented as Wooten. No offense to the guys at Vanderbilt, but, I mean, it, you're, it's a different recruiting game when you're recruiting at Vanderbilt. Wooten was a three-star, though. He was a three-star. I think, so maybe, maybe still in that vein, but he did it, come to Auburn, not Vanderbilt, and that speaks a little bit to his recruitment and what kind of caliber of player he was in comparison to the guys that are at Vanderbilt. Phone lines are open, 334-321-1390 or toll-free at 888-382-7502. We want to hear from you. Once again, the lines are open, 321-1390 
or toll free at 888-382-7502. Today, Christian Tutt announced that he wasn't going to the NFL draft, that he's actually going into the transfer portal. Right now, or before the show, 24-7 Sports hadn't yet updated their transfer portal yet to include Big Cat Bryant, but they had for Daquan Newkirk. So I, I don't know what that means about Big Cat Bryant, if his name's actually officially in there or not, whatever. But if you include Big Cat Bryant and now Christian Tut into this list, 12 players have chosen to transfer out of Auburn for this upcoming 2021 season. Some earlier than others, of course. Not 12 guys since the end of the year, but 12 guys have left the program to transfer away from Auburn that were on the pro- that were at the program at the beginning of the 2020 season are no longer with Auburn and will be going elsewhere in 2021. Why are these guys leaving? I I don't think it's it seems an, more than usual, right? Well, I don't think it's an X's and O's perspective. I I just think they really love Gus Malzahn as their head coach. I think a lot of them probably came to Auburn we, you know, for, for Coach Malzahn and other coaches on the roster. And I think they felt kind of hurt by the decision, and I think they wanted to leave. And a lot of these guys, it's maybe it just didn't feel like what they signed up for. And, again, this is also a weird year. You've had a 10-game SEC season because of the ongoing pandemic with COVID-19 and coronavirus. It's, it's a weird year. It's different. I mean, probably a lot of guys were like, I didn't really like the way the last season panned out. Our coach is gone that we, you know, all the players loved. We saw that reception that he got on social media. So I think it has more to do with just the coaching change, a little bit of a weird year. You got some guys getting extra eligibility. I think it makes sense for a lot of guys. They don't have to sit out either yeah, because there is a transfer waiver. And so some, they, some guys are like, hey, maybe they've been thinking about wanting to leave, but they didn't want to have to sit out. So that could that, be another thing. That could be a big thing. They could have been – they could have already had that in before. It could have had nothing to do with Coach Miles on leaving, and they could have just said, yeah, I don't got to sit out. I can go anywhere and go play. Right, and maybe or, they just wanted to go and try out something new, you know, and that could be that could be a factor as well. Maybe it was already something that was – maybe they weren't enjoying it as much at Auburn as they thought they were during their recruitment, and then they finally got an opportunity now to leave without having to sit out. That's a true possibility. That transfer list doesn't even include the guys that are going on to the NFL draft. Because there have been guys also, like the entire receiving core, at least the starting receiving core, that is going on to the NFL draft. So Auburn's going to be a new-look Auburn team, a lean Auburn team next year, and it's going to look completely different out there on the field for the Tigers next season in terms of scheme, in terms of who's showing up on the depth chart. I think a lot of guys are going to be making some names for themselves next year that maybe you hadn't seen traditionally under Gus Malzahn. We got the second segment of hour number two coming up. More of On the Line. Join us on the show. Call in. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater. We'll be right back. You're on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater. If you want to call in, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Phone lines are open. If you ever miss a show, find it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. Some news that came out not too long ago. Bruce Pearl was meeting with the media as we were on the air. Justin Ferguson joined us on the show last week. He tweeted out, recently that Auburn head coach Bruce Pearl 
said Justin Powell was able to practice a little bit yesterday. So some good news out there on the front for Justin Powell to return for Auburn basketball going into tomorrow's matchup against Georgia. Time will tell. We'll see. But some good news out there on that news front for Justin Powell as Auburn needing to get a win in conference play. Alabama basketball in action tonight against Kentucky. We're going to do some game predictions here for the college basketball schedule today, and we'll keep up with our college basketball predictions as the year goes on. We'll keep up with our record, and we've only got about six on the docket here, and Alabama-Kentucky is one of them. Let's just open it up with the Alabama-Kentucky game. Alabama and Kentucky sitting at number one in the SEC right here, right now, going into tonight's matchup at 8 p.m. on ESPN. And this is an intriguing matchup, possibly one of the most intriguing matchups of the night tonight when you've got several ranked matchups going on. Wisconsin-Michigan's a top-10 game, top-20 game between Duke and Virginia Tech, and then some other high-profile programs are going against each other, especially in the SEC. Ole Miss and Florida is the early SEC network game. But Alabama and Kentucky are looking to break a tie across the top. It's something that I think is very interesting when you look at Alabama and Kentucky. Nobody's afraid of Kentucky anymore in basketball. They were in the early 2010s. Nobody's afraid of Kentucky anymore in basketball, and I think Auburn's one of the first teams that stood up to them. It's a wide-open game right now in this league against the Wildcats. Yeah, Auburn really kind of opened the door for other SEC teams in terms of challenging Kentucky, at least from a Western on the Western side of things. It really seems like the door's open. I'm still rolling with the Wildcats here. I'm not quitting on their talent. Again, they're my dark horse for the SEC the rest of the way out. It feels weird to say that because everybody feels like they kind of gave up on Kentucky. I haven't. I think that they're going to – I think this game might get out of hand. I think that what? Kentucky can really I, – I think they just – I think Alabama plays like what you think Alabama. When you think of the stereotype of what Alabama has been traditionally as a basketball program. And again, you do more things through – your stats, you do the ratings. You know, when I look at games like this, I look at it from the Vegas lines and what I see Vegas doing this as. And I keep seeing what does Vegas say? Vegas opened them up with a as they opened Kentucky three up point. as a one and a half point favorite, and then that has now moved to a three point favorite. And it seems that money keeps coming in on Kentucky, not Alabama, and they've kind of firmly sat there at that three, which makes me think they are comfortable. They're they're kind of comfortable thinking that. Mm, Kentucky can really set around this three spot because it's now evened out a little bit. It's now about 50-50 on bets around where Alabama catching three, Kentucky minus three. So, again. See, I take this as a pick em. I take this as a push when it's that close in basketball, when it's that close in football, period. I mean, three points in, in basketball feels closer than three points in football because, oh. it, I mean, that's a full possession almost in football. And in basketball, I mean, that's a full possession. But one full possession in basketball is a lot different terms of scoring time than it is in, in football last three games for Kentucky they've won them 78 73 double overtime win against Mississippi State beat Vanderbilt by three and then walloped Florida on the road by 18 last time out so they're winners of three straight Alabama winners of five straight and then four of those five wins they have scored above 80 points the lone time that they didn't was the eight point win over Tennessee on the road in Thompson Bowling they won 71-63 over there. I like Alabama to win this game, and a big part of it is because they're not going to be afraid of Kentucky. And this Alabama team has had a propensity, even in the past when they've been less talented, to give Kentucky some games. 
even when Kentucky's been good. This seems to be a, this seems to be one of the teams in the league that Kentucky has struggled with in the past, even more so than they've struggled with Auburn. I think when you would expect, okay, this isn't a traditional team that you think would be able to beat Kentucky. Alabama's a team that has actually given them a hard time. A look at the KenPom.com numbers as you like to point out my nerdness here going into the segment you, you have your nerdness for Kim Palm I have my nerdness for the Vegas lines that's Kentucky's that's, defense has been great 17th in the country in defensive efficiency margin when you talk about points allowed per 100 possessions it's also adjusted for opponent and strength of schedule and whatnot they're 17th best in the country at defending their own basket Alabama on the defensive side 40th not as good but at the offensive end they make up for it 29th in the country and and part of what has helped Alabama this year on the offensive end is the ability to create turnovers to get out and run we saw what they did against Auburn forced 20 turnovers against Auburn got out and ran a lot of times beat Auburn to the other end of the floor and big part of why they scored 94 on the Tigers they're going to play the game a little bit differently Kentucky's going to settle in Alabama's going to try and run you talk about tempo Alabama's the 16th fastest team in the country Kentucky is at 240 Kentucky likes to settle in and play half-court defense Alabama wants to get out and run clash of styles tonight but I like Alabama to win this ball game because I think they're not afraid and they know how important this game is for the trajectory of their program beating Kentucky on a consistent basis beating Kentucky last year when game day came to Auburn those were big program building wins Alabama and Nate Oates understands this is a team you got to beat if you want to take the next step in basketball in the SEC, and they already beat one of them. It was, Auburn was a, is another team I think you've got to beat now in order to take the next step in basketball. Tennessee, too, with how they've played recently with Rip Barnes. Two out of three is checkmarked. Now they're playing the big dog, the team that traditionally is there, and they're getting them at a weak point. It's it's a good spot that you want to get them if you're Alabama. This is where you want to play Kentucky, and it doesn't matter what their team has been this year. You're still going to say, we beat Kentucky. And it's a again, it's a big program booster. It's a win that takes you to the next level. I just don't think Alabama's going to do it. Again, you, you've got the stats. I got the lines. Alabama, 5-0 and against the spread in their last five games. Vegas, <laughs> Vegas doesn't let people get hot like that. You're going you're gonna to see people who will look at that and say, Alabama's 5-0 and the last, time, last five games against the spread. I'm going to roll with the tide. They're hot. Vegas will shut it down real quick. I think Kentucky wins it. I think they hold on at home. I think that's going to be also – late tip off the eight eight central nine eastern on the road i've i mean they might be sleepy they might just be sleeping through it it's a late game on the road it's not going to be rough it's not going to be traditionally what you think of packed house all upon you but again i think kentucky overall has the more talented roster i think they put it together here i think coach k gets or not coach k coach cow gets into them and really gets them motivated because it's coach k too <laughs> pretty much yeah I think he gets them motivated today, and he knows how important this game is for his team because this could be a season-changing win for Kentucky. They beat the hottest team in the SEC, the best team in the SEC right now, and then you're looking at a complete turnaround, which is what I'm thinking is going to happen with Kentucky's season. So we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Let's make another couple of picks here. Nine Wisconsin at seven Michigan, 6 p.m. ESPN. Michigan three-point favorites as well and what seems to be another push Michigan undefeated at 10 and 0 on the year. Wisconsin at 10 and 2. This is um, the Big Ten's been the deepest conference in college basketball this year, and, and, and these two teams are a big reason why. Man, it's that's a tough one. That's just going to be a good basketball game. It's it's hard for me to really put a stamp on who I think could win this game. 
These are two top seven teams in Kim Palm overall rankings when you're looking at adjusted efficiency margin between offense and defense. They're two teams that are right up there at the top in, in terms of teams that I think could get to the Elite Eight this year. Uh, for sure, especially talented and coach-wise. They have, they have built really good programs at both schools. Nobody seems to be back in Wisconsin, so I'll play contrarian. I'll say Wisconsin comes in, gets the upset. Have no reason for that pick simply because these two teams are relatively even. I mean, they're two good teams. I would normally say you go with the home team in a close game like this, but it's a weird year. Lack of fans, a little bit less fans. I, th- I think I'm just going to go Wisconsin and just play contrarian to everybody who's going to go home team and go Michigan. I like Wisconsin in this one too. I think there's a whole lot more excitement and maybe expectations around the Wisconsin program, even though Michigan is undefeated right now at 10-0. and They really don't have a substantial win at this point in Big Ten play. Wisconsin was one of the first teams to beat Michigan State when conference play opened up. Of course, this Wisconsin team has two losses. They're 4-1 in conference play. What I like most about this Wisconsin team is I think they're going to control the tempo really well. 336th in the country and adjusted tempo, according to Kim Palm. They're one of the best teams in the country on the defensive side of the floor. I think that's going to carry them to victory against Michigan. It's a fun game, though. One of the best defenses against one of the best offenses. If, if you were looking for fun college basketball, Michigan-Wisconsin will be a treat tonight. And then let's squeeze one more pick here and here before we got to go to break. 19 Duke at 20 Virginia Tech, 6 p.m. ACC Network. I don't want to do it. I don't want to because I love love Coach K. I love Duke at heart. But this is just not the same Duke team. Said that you've no seen. one ever. I say I love Duke. I grew up a I grew up a Duke basketball fan. Fun fact because I was Man. I was not the smartest kid. There's a documentary called Everybody Loves to Hate Duke. <laughs> I, I love Duke. I grew up a Duke fan because maybe it's I didn't not that realize. exact same title. But they were the only one on Duke. TV. They were the only one on TV. So sure, I didn't I didn't realize when I was a small child that Duke and Auburn that Auburn had a basketball team. You know, Duke's favored by one. Yeah, I don't like that. I don't like them going into Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech opened as the favorite. We've seen a complete line shift, and now it's back on to Duke as the favorite. I just, I just. I don't want to do it, but I'm going to say Virginia Tech wins. I just don't think this Duke team is that talented this year. And Virginia Tech just seems like a better team overall, in my opinion. Well, hold on with that. They're talented. They just haven't put it together yet. And Duke's one of those teams that I think can put it together at any point and get hot. Right now, the big issue for Duke, they're not playing good defense, giving up over 70 points a game on the defensive side of the basketball. Of course, they're playing the game a little bit quicker than most teams are, but I like Virginia Tech as well at home, playing much better defense, almost seven points allowed per game better. They're at 64.9 allowed per game. I think offensively they have a little bit more to offer. Duke's barely getting by Wake Forest and Boston College right now. One-point victory over BC, and they struggled with Wake over the weekend. I like Virginia Tech with the upset, with a program-building win. More of On the Line on the other side of this break. Stay on the line. More of the show when we come back. College football's over. What do we talk about now? There's plenty of things to talk about. There's been plenty of college football news today. Gunnar Stockton decommitting from South Carolina. He's hot on the Auburn Trail. A lot of people really like to link him right now to the Tigers, considering Mike Bobo was the guy who recruited him when he went to South Carolina. 
Chandler Wooten announcing that he'll be returning to the Tigers for next year. It's been a big news day. Alabama won the national championship yesterday, ending our college football season. So where do we go now? Follow Fox Sports Central Alabama on Facebook to keep up with the latest going on in sports. On the line, The Drive with Bill Cameron. Analysis, news, and more all on Fox Sports Central Alabama on foxsports983.com and on Facebook. That's Fox Sports 983. Dot com. We were doing college basketball game predictions last segment. The one that we ended with was Duke and Virginia Tech. I'm actually going to change my pick now over the break. Thought about it a little bit longer. I'm going to go with Duke instead of Virginia Tech on the road. Feel a little bit more confident in the substantial body of work of Duke than in Virginia Tech. Also think Matthew Hurt coming off of his big game last time against Wake Forest could possibly replicate that against Virginia Tech. Duke at 3-0 and in conference play after what was shaky and what is still kind of shaky after how they've started conference play. I, I, I like this Virginia Tech team to keep it close, but I, I think Duke will pull it out at the end. And so we had three games picked. That's what we'll go with for today. Alabama, Kentucky, Duke, Virginia Tech. Also another game going on, Wisconsin and Michigan. Ole Miss at Florida today, 6 p.m. SEC Network. Number six, Kansas at Oklahoma State's on ESPN+. Plus. If you have that subscription, that's at 7. And then I had 8 on ACC Network, Syracuse at North Carolina as well. It's a good college basketball slate. So now you can flip the page to college basketball out of college football. But we're going to keep it on college football right here. Off-season storyline that we're going into right now for you. I opened this segment saying, what are we going to talk about? What is there to talk about right now going into college football in your mind? What's something that, that's on the top of your head? Do you have something? I can start it off. I've got something already that I'm ready to go with. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'll Steve Sarkeesian, Texas. Today he's getting announced at 4 p.m. Central Time introductory press conference. The Big 12 is going to be intriguing to me next year. Oklahoma ended this year hot. Absolutely on fire. Hot. Took down Florida and a blowout win at the end there. Their defense was super impressive to me because they held somebody outside of the Big 12 to, you know, less than 20 points, less than less, less than 25 points in Florida. And Florida's offense had been torrentially downpouring on other teams in the SEC all year long. They even did that to Alabama. I mean, Oklahoma had a better performance against Florida than Alabama had against Florida. And sure, people are going to say, well, Florida didn't want to be there. It's like, nah, I think that's a lazy narrative. That's a fun game. You're, you got an opportunity to play Oklahoma, and you also look at – some of the body reactions of Kyle Trask after those three interceptions that he threw in that first quarter against Oklahoma. I think Florida wanted to be there, and I don't think they just rolled over right away. I think Oklahoma really dominated them in that football game. So Oklahoma is going to go into the Big 12 as the favorite. But Steve Sarkeesian in Texas, I think, is going to have a lot to say about it going in. And Matt Campbell's returning to Iowa State as well. And unfortunately for him at Iowa State, look, they just can't recruit as well as Texas and Oklahoma, and that's always going to have them behind them. But they're going to look to try and throw a wrench into things every year. And, and the Chuba Hubbard will also be back for Oklahoma State as well for next season. So Oklahoma State, another team who was in the picture this year. Kansas State always likes to pull an upset on somebody. I mean, for the last two years, they've beaten Oklahoma. The Big 12 next year, I think there's a lot of storylines going into it. And, and it's mostly for the injection of Steve Sarkeesian into the conference at one of the most storied programs in all of college football. It's a, that's fair. And I, we talked about how in the national championship game, you had Steve Sarkeesian on full display. I think if you're a Texas fan, I think Justin Ferguson said it better than anybody else on Twitter. He said, Texas managed to be back. You know the you know the joke. Texas is back. They managed to be back without even playing a game last night. You watched that Steve Sarkeesian offense, and you were just, 
you had to have been just licking your like you were going to bed excited. You're like, this guy's coming to my school. And I don't know if he has the same. Oh, well, I do know. He does not have Devontae Smith on his roster, right? He doesn't have Najee Harris. He doesn't have Jalen Waddle. He doesn't have guys that are at the top of their position group in all of college football. But at Texas, you can recruit those guys. And they you already can find ha- those. Yeah. And they already have recruited at a high level. You look at the last four recruiting classes for Texas. Last year they finished eighth. Then they had the two years prior to that, they each finished third in the country. So they had two top three recruiting classes that will now be coming to upperclassmen status this year and the class four years ago that was 25th that one's graduating so the last three classes that are all moving into substantial positions in your football program those were all top 10 classes two of which were top five top three recruiting classes so the talent's there for him to work with on the offensive end and the defenses are as bad as ever in the big 12 as well for him to toy with that's that's true, and they're going to really have to compete at a high level in terms of recruiting, which they will. It's Texas. It's Oklahoma. Those guys will. Can we see someone else step up in the Big 12 with Steve Sarkeesian there now? Like, will there someone really challenge Oklahoma? Because you've had teams challenge. You had the Matt Rule Baylor team. You've had Iowa State who who hung around with Matt Campbell, but it doesn't. It just feels like it's always Oklahoma's season to lose or big 12 title to lose it hasn't felt like they've had a real legitimate threat to their throne that they keep throwing out there every year is Steve Sarkeesian the guy does someone else step up does Gary Patterson turn it around at TCU and have them competing it's it's getting stale for college football in terms of how many teams keep winning consistently which that's that's life that's going to happen you have these teams that have this brand who are going to recruit better you have better coaches who are going to recruit better it would be nice to see someone really challenge Oklahoma and I think Sarkeesian can do it maybe not year one it is a talented roster but I think I think he's going to be able to flourish at Texas with the recruits he can get and the offensive scheme that he is I mean man that that offense this year, like you were talking about earlier, I mean, again, Devontae Smith's a different beast, but when you motion a guy with that kind of talent level into the backfield, it tries to shift him out, and then he just pops and goes the other way, and he's wide open on a flare out, and he's getting 15, 20-ish yards consistently on a play like that. It's it's nice to see he can, he'll be able to do that at Texas, I think, with the recruits he'll get. Well, what's so brilliant about that specific play that you're talking about that resulted in a touchdown, I think it was the second or third touchdown for Alabama in, in the national championship. What's so brilliant about that play design is that if Devontae Smith starts in the backfield, which he didn't, he started in the slot, if he started in the backfield, there's two directions he can go still. It's either a handoff for sure to the right, or they could run him out more than likely if there was a pass route it would probably be flaring him out to the left side so standard right yes he could still go either way left or right pre-play but what's so brilliant about it is if you're motioning him from left to right mentally look we read from left to right we process information from left to right we that that's how we see things when you see him moving from one direction to the other in a pre-snap motion you're already inching that way. You're thinking, yeah, he's going that way, especially if your job is to keep tabs on him and man-to-man coverage. And it looked like they had man-to-man on him. I could be wrong, but if I'm remembering the play correctly, I think they had man-to-man on him. 
they motion him to from left to right your body movement is from left to right trying to keep up with a guy that is as talented as he is because he commands so much attention and then all of a sudden he spins around and he's going back from right to left that that is going to throw a defense completely for a loop and it's going to put them in a tough position trying to stop him brilliant play design and we don't see people do that we just don't see people do that that often no you or don't ever. you really don't you don't He's just such an innovative mind where he will take certain, like he'll take things. He has a complete understanding of what he wants to accomplish. Like you said, he, your brain doesn't process like normal brain doesn't process things like that, but it does or seem, that quickly because that yes. that play happens in in the span of two seconds. And defense just can't adjust to something no, like that, and especially we, linebackers. No, and you saw you saw College it time linebackers. And, oh, you saw it time and time again. You saw you saw too many times. Devontae Smith was wide open. The, even the play down the field, which I didn't get too into the play design of it, but you see Borland, if I'm not mistaken, he's, I saw a tweet that said he was running like a bear was behind him chasing him, and it still yeah. was not anywhere close to enough to catch Devontae Smith. Sarkeesian in college football, or Sarkeesian is to college football as Kyle Shanahan was to the NFL several years ago. I think Agreed. you look at the 49ers offense and maybe Garoppolo's part of the reason why they are – not performing up to par as they were last year in the Super Bowl. You know, a lot's changed over a year, right, for the 49ers. Talk about a Super Bowl hangover. So many The injuries. Niners are in it, yeah. And they, so they many injuries. Dealing with a lot of injuries. But Shanahan is regarded as one of the better offensive minds in terms of play design and innovation in the league because of some of what he draws up. is just like, wow, we haven't seen that before. That's creative. And on offense right now with some of the rules that have changed on defense to handicap defensive backs – it's harder than ever right now, I think, to to shut down offenses, especially when you start doing some willy-nilly crazy stuff like what they did with Devontae Smith on that specific play. And that's what Sarkeesian brings to Texas. And so not try, we weren't trying to make this a Steve Sarkeesian segment, but Texas is going to be in the mix of things next year. I don't know if instantly you see just a, a huge jump because I think Tom Herman was a pretty good coach, but he still found a way to lose four or five games every year at Texas this past year I think he lost three or four and going into next year I don't I don't know if you see a super big jump but the big question for Texas is we knew they were more talented than everybody than maybe just Oklahoma was the only team more talented than them recruiting classes show that when they were eight three and three the past three years in recruiting they've got better talent than almost all of college football when they've had two top three recruiting classes that'll be going through the door the talent's there. Now it's just a matter of not losing to the Iowa States and the Kansas States and the TCUs. The, the TCU loss this year is a head-scratcher. They're, they've got head-scratching losses this season, but they've also got great wins. They were the first team to knock off Oklahoma State. So they've got great wins, but they've also got head-scratching losses, and that's been the Tom Herman era. Now the thing that's going to separate Steve Sarkeesian from Tom Herman, who elevated this program from where Charlie Strong left them, which was in a bad place. Tom Herman did improve the program from start to finish, but now what's going to separate Sarkeesian from Herman is he's got to not lose to teams that are worse than him as far as talent. He's got to beat the teams you expect to beat, and then he's still got to pull off the big win every once in a while against an Oklahoma, maybe put a a prestigious non-conference win on your schedule as well to get you in the college football playoff mix at the end of the year. If he eliminates the bad losses, Texas is in the college football playoff discussion every year. Of course. You just just have to take that next level. And to go off that Oklahoma State thing, they took Oklahoma to four overtimes this year. Yep. 
team that was great. And I don't think Oklahoma. Well, I don't know if I'd say Oklahoma State was great. I think their offense limited them at well, times. I was, talking, I was talking about Oklahoma, Oklahoma, oh. where they took them to four overtimes and won, and then they went two overtime with Oklahoma State right. and beat them. That's and what I was thinking. Iowa State. I mean, they were lost by three to Iowa State. If you just eliminate that TCU loss, this is a two loss team with two losses to Oklahoma and Iowa State. One of which was in four overtimes. One of which was by three points. Both of which made the Big Twelve championship game and the New Year's Six bowls. Yep. So you and eliminate won, that and head won their New Year's Six bowl games by substantial margins. Yes. So if you take that TCU loss out of there, like you said, the head scratcher. Does Tom Herman still have a job if you take the TCU loss out? I think so. I like just looking I at don't know. it. It's if Star if, if Sarkeesian is still available, you probably, probably still jump yeah. after it. And it seemed like midseason Texas was wanting to get rid of, of Tom Herman. They didn't. It even, felt like there yeah, were discussions all over the place. I think you saw the rumors about the meeting with Urban Meyer and something like that. And now, well, they almost immediately hired Sark too. So I mean, that's that's one thing. So yeah, I I agree with that. I think it wouldn't have saved him his job, but it looks better for Texas at least. We've got 15 minutes until the start of the drive. Four hours of local sports talk radio on Fox Sports Central Alabama and ESPN 106.7. It's not going anywhere. we got 15 minutes left and on the line. Stay with us. Last segment of On the Line, Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzsuato still with you on the show. we got 15 minutes or really 11 minutes until the start of the drive on Fox Sports Central Alabama and on ESPN 106.7. They're now being simulcasted going up 280 all the way to Southern Birmingham on Fox Sports Central Alabama. So that's huge to welcome in a new listening audience, one as large as that is, covering all the way up from 280 all the way up to Southern Birmingham. People will be able to listen to that 98.3 FM. It's also on in Montgomery, Sylacauga. You can find it all, all in there. So that'll be big. Bill Cameron and Dan Peck will be on after us here on ESPN 106.7 and Fox Sports Central Alabama. But first, let's take you through what's on TV tonight. Hey everybody, it's Noah Gardner with What's On Tonight. ABC is running Captain America, the Winter Soldier. Cap battles an old friend from long ago. Lethal Weapon 1 and 2 were on yesterday, so let's keep it going with number 3, which will come on AMC at 7. Also at 7, but on TNT, Ready Player 1 is on. Back to regularly scheduled college basketball now that college football is over with, and it's a big night on the schedule. At the 6 p.m. time slot, number 9, Wisconsin, and number 7, Michigan on ESPN. Number 10, Tennessee at Vanderbilt on ESPN2, number 19 Duke at number 20 Virginia Tech on ACC Network, and Ole Miss at Florida on SEC Network. At 8 p.m., Syracuse at North Carolina on ACC Network, Providence at Marquette on FS1, and no one is giving Alabama fans time to breathe as the Crimson Tide look to take sole possession of first place in the SEC with a road game against Kentucky on ESPN. I'm Noah Gardner, and that's what's on TV tonight. Also, what's on TV tonight, I want to take a moment to promo what will be happening on one of our sister stations, 96.3 W. Lee. Auburn High basketball will be in action against Smith Station. The undefeated Panthers rolling in to Auburn High's home hardwood. Auburn High at 11-2 on the year going against an undefeated 12-0 Smith Station basketball team. It's going to be a fun one tonight. I'll be on the call over on 96.3 W. Lee for both the varsity girls and varsity boys games. I would imagine... But then again, you know, there, there are sometimes you know, time, time restraints when you've got JV games going on beforehand. But I would imagine Varsity Girls tip off around 5.30 and you'll be able to hear that on 96.3 W. Lee. Auburn High against Smith Station in basketball. 
wrapping up the show here. We got a couple of minutes left before we get out of here. And in case you missed the show today, go check out our Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio. Search on the line. You'll be able to find the podcast easy at all those locations. Also on RadioAlabamaSports.net. We'll have that posted later on tonight. I say all that to go to you, Levi, and ask you, topic today in the Auburn sports universe that you would say is most interesting, most intriguing that we've discussed today. And in case anybody's missed it, they can go back and find it. I think the most intriguing for me and what I think is the biggest news is probably the Gunner Stockton decommitting from South Carolina where he was recruited by now offensive coordinator by Bobo and it's it's getting hot it's getting hot for him to come to Auburn it's been your favorite thing to say today it's getting it's, hot you just see it it's it, there's where there's smoke there's fire and it just seems like things are lining up for him to come to Auburn again purely speculation in terms of him coming to Auburn he has officially decommitted per himself on Twitter that he will be decommitting for South Carolina. And it would be huge for Auburn to nab a guy like this who could potentially sit behind a senior Bo Nix if he stays for his senior year, learn under Bo Nix and Mike Bobo if that is the case. He's got a lot of player comps to Sam Howell at North Carolina who is perceived to be the first pick in the 2022 NFL draft. Obviously, Sam Howell not eligible to go to the NFL draft this year. And he can spin it. I mean, he's he's a stock, he's just a stockier guy, can spin the ball around. He has the arm strength for days. And when you have a guy who's being compared to him while he's in his raw state, you have Gunnar Stockton, a, a prospect who is really just a raw talent right now. And Mike Bobo could develop him. You saw it. He, he pumped out Matthew Stafford, number one overall pick, a guy who kind of reminds me of Sam Howell in a way as well. So, it's really exciting to see that another guy who you even noted earlier is a more prolific recruiting, like a recruit from a rankings perspective than even Bo Nix was coming into all. Yeah. 27th nationally, number one dual threat quarterback, number three player from the state of Georgia, according to 24 seven sports composite rankings. He's got a 98 rating on 24 seven sports or 0.9867. He's the number one dual threat quarterback in the country, and obviously the the excitement towards Auburn is trending. You see when his guy that recruited him to South Carolina leaves, then all of a sudden, and then the head coach is fired, and lots changed. And I think he even noted that in the note that he put up on Twitter. Lots changed since hit the beginning of his recruitment to South Carolina. Mike Bobo at Auburn now. He's dropped the garnet colors. Will he pick up the orange and blue in his in his recruitment next? It'd be huge for Auburn. It would be the first massive commitment for the Tigers under Brian Harson. And then uh, on top of that, I, I wonder what it means for Demetrius Davis, a guy that's committed to Auburn and committed to Auburn and stayed with Auburn through even the coaching search. And, and Auburn didn't have a head coach when he signed with Auburn. I wonder what this means for dual threat quarterback Demetrius Davis as he comes in. If he'll, if Gunnar Stockton does indeed commit to Auburn if that's something that happened if that's an event that unfolds in the future maybe you and I are getting ahead of ourselves just a little bit too much but obviously it's easy to do that when you see some of the information that's unfolded before us if he does indeed join next year's class I don't know if we see Demetrius Davis play quarterback at Auburn I just I can't imagine that he would it just looks a little too crowded in that quarterback room if the Gunner Stockton to Auburn rumors come to fruition I just think it's a little too much for Demetrius Davis to it's a, it's a lot it's a lot to ask out of a young kid to really stick around when you're almost not going to get playing time you don't fit the system as well as you did with Gus Malzahn 
Also talked about the national championship. We joined the great debate with Alabama and LSU from last year's LSU team to this year's Alabama team. I think you and I both can agree we would probably settle on that 2020 Alabama team. Alabama basketball in action against Kentucky. Auburn basketball. What's the latest with Sharif Cooper? You think he's going to the NBA? Eh, go and find the podcast. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and our heart radio. We got the drive coming up after us. That does it for On the Line. We'll see you tomorrow. You know where to find us.